out and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have a, a pew Bible that we've provided, uh, you can find that on page 828. So the title of the sermon this morning is Giving Generously. So we want to be people that give generously. And you know for the past few weeks we've been walking through a sermon series looking at paper or looking at money and how we can honor God with the way that he's given us money and given us financial resources. And so I wanted to just give you a quick recap to show you how each one of these sermons have built on themselves and have really pointed to today's sermon. So today's sermon is really the pinnacle of the sermon series. And so I don't want us to miss the importance of the teaching of the text this morning. So let me give you a quick re- recap. We know in the beginning that God has given us and he has, he has given us everything that we have and he has made us stewards over our possessions. He's made us stewards over our work. He's made us stewards over the money that he has provided. So that's the first thing that we learned. The second thing that we learned is that as a good steward, a good steward participates in tithing. A, a, a good steward will take the portion of the money that is given. They give the the best, they give the first, and they give that unto the Lord as a way of saying, Lord, thank you for providing. And it's a way of being obedient. Then we also looked at stewards, good stewards of, of our money, our work, and our possessions. Good stewards have a plan for spending. Uh, they have a they set boundaries up for the amount at which that they uh, take in or the amount at which they spend. And so they set up boundaries through spending. And then last week we looked at uh, good stewards steward well through saving. So they have a plan for saving. Uh, They're not just kicking it to the wind, hoping that someday it'll be provided, but they have a good plan for saving. And today I want us to see that good stewards steward well through giving generously. So if you look at it as as a whole, we see that in order to do giving generously well, you've got to do the other things first. Like if you're not a good steward, uh, if you're not a good saver, then, or if you're not a good spender, if you overspend, then you're not going to have anything to give away. But I think because of what we're going to see today is generosity is at the very heart of God. I came across this quote this week in the book Contagious Generosity written by Chris Willard. He says this, Generosity is the fullest expression of the life of a steward, one who has been given a gift that must be used wisely and for a purpose, bringing glory to God. It expresses in practical and powerful ways the message at the core of our faith. God gave his only son to us that we might have life. So generosity is at the heart of God. And if it's at the heart of God, it should be at the heart of his people. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want us to see also that in the the course of life, there are really good reasons to be a good giver. And there are bad reasons to be a good giver. And we're going to walk through that. But I wanted to have us, especially as we walk into this Christmas season, or what we hear sometimes is we're deep in the season of giving, right? We're deep in the, as we move towards Christmas, we're in this season where everyone's giving gifts. And it's interesting to see that as you, uh, maybe you've been out shopping like I have and and getting some gifts and uh, gathering gifts, there's a fine line between generosity and greed, right? Like you can see as we look at our world that we, we live in, there, there's good giving and there's bad giving, and sometimes giving is greedy, sometimes giving is uh, with impure motives, and we can see that. And so sometimes like moving towards the Christmas season, we see the good, we see the bad, and we see the ugly of giving. And I want us today to look at God's word 
as a word of encouragement to us so that we can look at how to be generous givers in a way that honors God. So today, what we're going to do is we walk through 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to give you an example of generous giving, and then I'm going to give you some good reasons for giving, and then I'm also going to give you some bad reasons of giving and some things to avoid. So let's dive in, and let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And before we do, I just want to pray. Let's pray. Father... Thank you for your word. And Father, thank you that you have been a generous giver. Father, that you have held nothing back. But Father, that you have shown us the way through sending your son, how we can know you and how we can have our sins forgiven. So Father, today as we enter into this time of just studying your word, may your word come alive to us. May your word be a word of encouragement. May your word be a word of correction. May your word bring about life change to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we're looking at uh, Corinthians chapter 8, I'll give you a little bit of background. What we're going to see here is, is Paul, as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he, in, in this specific uh, passage or part of the letter, he is giving encouragement to the believers in Corinth. He's giving them encouragement because what Paul has been doing is he's been going around the churches that are outside of Jerusalem and he's, he's been trying to ask the churches to participate in the Jerusalem collection. Now, what has been taking place in Jerusalem is that there were, so Paul's going among the Gentile churches asking them to help the the church and the Judean believers. And what was taking place in in Jerusalem is these Judean believers were entering into a very hard time of their lives. They were going through economic hardships. There was a famine that had uh, racked the country and racked the area. And so the people were in deep need. And so Paul was saying, as a body of believers, let us be reminded that we are a body. So when one part of us suffers, we all suffer. And so he was making people aware in uh, outside of Jerusalem of the need that was taking place and and the churches were gathering money and gathering collections so that they could help the believers that were in Jerusalem. And so this is the, the background. So Paul is coming now to the Corinthian church and he's saying, hey, this is what's going on. Can you help out? And so he begins by giving us an example of generosity. Look with me in chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So we see here that Paul gives us a a great example of generosity as he's trying to encourage the Corinthians to be generous givers. He says, look to the Macedonian churches. Look to these churches and see what they did. And we can see three things from this example. One thing we see about their generosity is we see that their generosity was a work of the grace of God in them. As you look at verse 1, it was the work of the grace of God in them. You see, when God works in the life and the heart of a believer, what takes place is God comes in and he begins to take a residence inside of the heart of a person. And he begins to change things and begins to develop things. One of the things that he produces, one of the outflows of a life with God is generosity. And so if you see someone that is a believer and they they take on this characteristic of generosity in the right way, we know that it is a product of the grace of God. 
And so Paul is saying, look to them, and, and he's reminding them that it's not something that they manufactured in and of themselves, but it was the work of the grace of God. The second thing that we see is their generosity was not hindered by their circumstances. Look at verse 2. Look, as, as, as Paul describes it there, they were in a place of great persecution. They were undergoing hard and difficult times in their lives. You see what was taking place is because they, they were uh, believers inside of a culture that wasn't a believing culture, when they took on the faith, that basically ostracized them from the life that they knew. Many of them lost their jobs. Many of them lost their, uh, their land. Many of them lost everything that they had and were relying on the grace of God themselves. We see their generosity was not hindered by their circumstances. So many times we see so many people today saying, I can't give because I'm going through a difficult time, because I don't have money, because I, I'm overcommitted over in debt and, and all of this, and I, so I don't have the ability to be generous. But we can see here from their example that their hard circumstances actually increased their joy and increased their generosity. So instead, the world would say, when you go through difficult times, grab and hold on to because you know you're going to need it. But we see what the Macedonian believers did. Instead of going through difficult times, instead of holding on, they actually gave away more. Now that's completely counterintuitive, completely countercultural, but it's exactly the pattern that God lays out with a heart of generosity. The third thing we see in verse three is that their generosity went beyond their means. Now, a couple weeks ago, this, this actually blew my mind this week as I was sitting down studying. Because you know so many times where we encourage people as, as being uh, spiritual leaders, as we look at people and we say, to be a good person, you've got to live within your means. That's a challenge. It's a challenge for many to learn, to begin to learn within your means. If we look here, we see these Macedonian believers, they weren't challenged of living within their means. They were challenged by giving beyond their means. Like, look at that, verse 3. They gave beyond their means. Now, that is completely countercultural, completely counterintuitive. And they did it out of joy in their heart. What an absolutely radical idea. I wonder what the church would look like. I wonder what the world would look like if believers trusted God enough to give beyond their means. Like, isn't that a place of absolute faith? Like, when you know that God has given and you're living trying to be a good steward of that and yet you see someone in need and you care more for them than you care for yourself. And you give. Like, that's a beautiful thing. Now I want to also give us a great caution here. Because I want to remind us that in order to really be a good giver. To be a good steward. You've got to make sure that you're still taking care of the other things. Like You've got to make sure that you're continuing to tithe. Making sure that you have a budget and you're trying to live within that budget. If you're not doing those other things well. Don't try to give beyond your means. Because that's not that's foolish. But if you're working through trying to plan and trying to care for it, then your challenge may be, I want to push you on this, to think about giving beyond your means. Just as an example. So we see in verses one one through five just a good example of generosity. 
But then we see Paul transitions in and he, he gives a encouragement towards being generous. He's, so he says, be generous. Look with me in verse seven. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So Paul here gives them a, an encouragement or an urging to add generosity to the works and blessings of God. You see, they had already come to the place where the work of God inside of them had produced certain things. We see that it produced faith. So they excelled in faith. So they already had that as a part of their life. They were people of faith. We see that they were people that had allowed God to to come in and control their speech. And so as they spoke, they spoke words that brought glory to God. They had been God God's work in them had produced knowledge. It had produced earnestness and it produced love. But now Paul is encouraging them to go the next step. Step. Allow this next layer of the character of God to come on and be produced in them. So he says, allow generosity to be a part that overflows in you. So add, genera- gen- add generosity. Man, that's a message for us today. I don't, I, I don't know how generous you really are. But maybe it's a time in our life where we seriously look at it and we say, okay, God, I've, I've been a believer for this many years. I've been walking with you and you've produced a lot of great things in me because I've, I've denied myself. I've allowed you to come in and take control. But, but generosity has never been a part of my heart. So maybe your, your encouragement today is to bring that part of your heart to the Lord and say, God, here it is. Help me now to take on this attitude and this heart of generosity. See, the, the, the true truth about generosity, it's not so important about what you give. It's not about the amount. We see this throughout, throughout history. You can have um, uh, billionaires that give $100,000, which to us, $100,000 would be an amazing gift. If someone were to say, hey, here you go, here's, here's $100,000, we would be ecstatic because we'd find ways of using that money to advance the gospel in Wilmington, but we'd also figure out ways to advance it to the ends of the earth. So that would be great. But someone that has a billion dollars, how much really is a gift of $100,000? I mean, ratio-wise, it's not very much. But what about the person that only has $100 to their name and they give 50 to the church? Like, it's, so it's not, it's not about how much because we can, we can use measurements of, of how much and, and that can change everything. But it's all about not the amount, but why. Why is it that we give? I think that's important because so many times we can, we can give in a way that abuses the character of God or it, it puffs us up above the character of God. But there are also ways that we can give in a way that is good and honors the Lord. So I'm going to walk through some good reasons and we can see it here, some in this passage and some other places in scripture. But the first good reason to give is we give because we are made in the image of God. That's why we give. We give because we are made in the image of God. And if we look to God, we can see that a part of his character, as I already said, part of God's character is a generous giver. Like, 
God began and created all things. Why? Because he is a generous giver. And since we are made in the image of God, then we act more like God when we give generously just as he has given. We see not only is, is God a great giver, we see in, uh, in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we know that God is a generous giver because he would go extensive distance and give the greatest gifts so that we might be saved from our sins. So we see that God is a great giver, but we look in verse 9 and we can see that Jesus is also a great giver. Look with me in verse 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich here's the reality of the generous of of our of our lord he had everything that he needed while in heaven he was continually being worshiped for being god and yet he saw a great need in the souls and the hearts of men he saw and knew that there's no way that a sinful man could have a relationship with God. So out of his great love, he gave up all of that to come to earth, to take on flesh, to live a perfect life, to die our death, to pay our price so that we might live. Because we give because we are made in his image. We take on the same nature of God. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, when we say, you know, the world is not enough. I don't, I don't want anything from the world. All I want is Jesus. When we make him our treasure, when we make him our goal, when we make him all of our life and we surrender ourselves unto him, then he transforms us. And our character slowly over time becomes more like his. So we give because we're made in the image of God. The second thing that we, reason that we give is because we, we give as an act of praise. You know, the, the greatest response to generosity is generosity. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. Why do we love other people? Because he loved us. So we have been given, so therefore we give. And another way of looking at it is, is that when we give, when we give generously, when we give above and beyond what, we're, what is required... We're actually saying thank you to God. It's a way of saying, God, I know that everything that I have is from you, so I thank you by giving this to others. So we give as a way of praise. Verse 4 tells us that we give to care for other believers. Look with me again at verse 4. The Macedonian believers were begging us earnestly for favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. We give to care for other believers. And one of the, the ways that God has made the church is that we're supposed to care for one another. We live in close proximity to one another, so we're able to, to see each other's lives. We're able to see each other's struggles. We're able to see each other's joys. And when we see each other struggling, our heart should overflow in generosity and give to them. And we see these Macedonian believers begged us earnestly for the favor of, of taking part in the relief of the saints. They knew to care about God meant caring for others. 
And not just others outside of the church. Their first and primary responsibility was to care for people inside the church. Now, here's the reality. If you look at the world, we are in a world that's full of a lot of need. Your money could go a myriad of different places. But I think the Lord instructs us over and over and over again, here and other places. He says, your first, your first place of care is for those that are a part of your fellowship. Those that are a part of your church, you look around, you see their need, and you give to them. But we also give another good reason to give, as we give so that we can be blessed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, just a little bit down from chapter 8, says this. It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is a blessing from God that we've seen over and over and over again. God always and continually responds to faith through blessing. Whenever we place faith in Jesus, we always get more blessing. That's the, that's the truth. That's how we came to know Christ. When we came to faith in Jesus Christ and we said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. What did he do? He blessed us with eternal life. He blessed us with an inheritance of heaven. He blessed us and continues to bless us. So those who sow sparingly, as you cast out your 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 possessions, as you cast out your money, as you cast out all of these in a way that is sparing, you will also reap sparing. But if you sow bountifully, if you sow broadly and you sow deeply, you will also reap broadly and bountifully. It doesn't, what the word is telling us, it's not saying that you will become more rich financially, but you will receive a deeper blessing. You will receive a deeper understanding. You will receive a deeper way of being more closely united to the heart of God. Some come and come to a passage like this and use this and they totally twist it in a way that says, if you give $5 to the church, we'll take that money and God will th- bring it back to you fivefold. Well, that's not exactly the truth. It is true. If you give, God does return, but he doesn't necessarily always return monetarily. So we give to be blessed, not to be rich. But we also see, not only is generosity encouraged, but we can look at this passage, we can see that generosity is not commanded. It's not a command. Look at me in verse 8. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. You see, it's not commanded. Generosity is not commanded to give. It is encouraged, but not commanded. We give back to God. The command that he's given us, he's already given to us. So the command is the tithe. He says, you give because you give a tithe. You give a portion as a way of worship, as a way of obedience. But then he goes on, and we can see this throughout the Old Testament, that there were things in the Old Testament called free will offerings. These were offerings that went above and beyond the tithe, as a way of saying thank you to the God. Today, we, we use words such as offering, or we, we refer to it tithes and offering. So the offering is above and beyond the tithe. But we see here in Scripture that the tithe, or the, the offering is not commanded. For if if it's commanded, then the tendency for the motivation to be generous would potentially come from a place of religious duty. 
But giving that is genuine is motivated by love that is produced by God in the life of a believer. So there's a motivation that is a motivation of love, but it's produced by God in the life of a believer. So generosity is something that we should do, but we shouldn't do it as a religious duty. So there are bad reasons to give, and I'm going to share these with you this morning. There are some really bad reasons to give out there. The first bad reason to give is we don't give to buy God's favor. Now, this is important. Because there are many, many people out there that believe, um, even the church has taken, the church as a whole has taken a weird stance on this. And if you look back into history, you see, giving does not reverse the effects of sin. There's not an exchange that takes place, whereas if I give money to God, and somehow that's going to erase my sin, or that's going to cover my sin, there's no exchange there. The only exchange that takes place that can cover my sin is the death of of Jesus Christ. That's the only transaction that will cover my sin. Not giving. You see, if I give in a way that tries to earn favor with God, what it actually does, it may cover my conscience, but it's not going to touch my sin. It may make me feel good for a while, but in reality, I'm still a sinful person. We can also see this throughout Scripture, that God has, has rejected the gifts that were given to him in the past. We saw that in the, the book of Malachi. As they were bringing their offerings unto the Lord, the Lord says, I reject it. You bring to me useless, wasteless things because you're not giving me your best. And so God rejects gifts that are given with impure motives. You see, when giving proceeds from an unredeemed heart, it serves to nurture human pride. What it produces when we give from ourselves, it produces pride, it, it produces self-sufficiency, it produces a, a morality that's our, all of our own, and instead of drawing us unto the Lord, it actually draws us away from the Lord. Because it says, God, we don't need you because I can be my own God, I can be my own king. Our worship no longer is of him, but it's a worship of ourselves. So we don't give to buy God's favor. Second thing is, another reason is we don't give to win glory. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, 2 through 4. He says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So he's saying, don't give to win glory. There were those in the practice of the day that when they gave, they would, they would shine the lights on all of their giving. So let the world know what they were giving. Jesus says, this is not the way you are to give. Do not give in such a way to bring glory to yourself. Give in private. He even goes on to say, he says, rather, if you want to glorify God with your giving, he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't give in such a way to take the glory that is due God. But give in such a way so that it's secret, so that it's quiet. A third reason, bad reason to give, or don't, or not to give, is don't give out of guilt. 
don't give out of guilt. You know, there's so, especially, I hear this a lot, and, and I've actually walked through this myself, is, is you look at all that we have, and Americans, we are blessed. We, even if we're poor in, in American standards, to the world standards, we are rich. And so many times, it's easy for us to look at what we have and to take on this idea that we are so selfish. Like, we are selfish with what we have. And we give out of guilt because we look at all that we have and we, we want to give to kind of help us not feel so guilty. So we give to satisfy our conscience instead of giving because we love and because we care. Like we feel bad for what we have. I want us to see, and we've heard this over and over and over again, the Lord wants us to enjoy the blessings that he has given us. He wants us to enjoy what he's given us. Now, we don't want to live our lives trying to consume and have more and more and more so that we don't get to enjoy it, but we we enjoy what we have. But with what we have, the ultimate uh, direction of that is we seek to enjoy God in what we have. And use the gifts that he's given us to bless others. So the goal is to enjoy what we have in the Lord and to enjoy God through it and then use what God has given us also to bless others. So don't give out of guilt. So you say, okay, I, 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 I'm with you. I know that my heart is, is moving towards this and I want to give. Well, where do I give? How do I give? What, what, how do I do this? I want to give you some quick things and some places to give. First, give to the church. Like if you're in a place where you want to be generous with your money, where you, you've got the practice of tithing down, you're saving, you, you've got your spending under control, and you're really seeking to honor the Lord, one of the best places that you can give generously is give to the church. Again, I want to remind you that we are a product of generous giving that people have been generous enough so that they've provided the financial resources and the time so that we could be here. So give to the church because the church's purpose, as you've heard, our purpose is to expand the kingdom by sharing the gospel with people in our neighborhoods but also to the ends of the earth. So give to the church so the church has the opportunity to continue the mission. So you through the church have an opportunity to continue the mission. The second place to give is give to gospel ministries. There are ministries outside of the church, parachurch ministries, that care about sharing the gospel, that want to use different platforms to share the gospel. So whether it's like InterVarsity that's using the college campuses uh, to spread the gospel, give to ministries like that. If you're looking for a place to be generous, give to gospel ministries. Give to Samaritan's Purse. Give to um, World Vision. Give to these ministries. Give to other believers. Keep your eyes open and your ears open to see the needs that are close within our fellowship. And give generously there. You know, sometimes it's hard, especially as it's close inside a fellowship of believers, to, to be a recipient of generosity. I'll never forget the time that I was raising money to go overseas uh, on missions. I was going over to spend the summer in Europe and I was going to use uh, athletics as a platform to share the gospel. And I went to my home church and I, I had an opportunity to ask everyone in the church and I said, hey, I'm going on this mission trip. Would you pray for me? Would you, could you give financially? And I knew my church was small and we were a church that's made up of, of, of people that really weren't wealthy. 
to worldly standards. And I knew it was a big ask, but I knew the Lord wanted me to do it, so I went and I asked. I said, I'm about $1,000 short, and I'm leaving on Wednesday. Is there any way that any of you could help me out? And uh, so after the service, uh, people came by, and they said, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. And I appreciated all of their prayers, but one gentleman came up to me at the end of the service, and he says, get in touch with me Tuesday night. Tell me how much you have left and I'll take care of it. And I, and I went home that afternoon and I start to think about this man and I, and I go through his, his life and I know he's got five, six kids of his own. He's working three jobs to try to put food on his table. And as Tuesday morning came around, I was still $1,000 short. And I was thinking to myself, there's no way I can go to this guy. I cannot go to this guy and ask him for the money, even though he said that God had told him that he needed to give me the money. And I said, I can't do this. So so painfully, I was like, if I don't go see him, like I gotta go see him. So I went and I saw him. And I remember sitting down at his table. My head was sunken low because I knew the amount at which he was going to give me and how much that was going to impact him so my head held low I said he asked me he said how much do you have left I said I still have a thousand dollars and he looked at me and he says okay walked right upstairs to his bedroom walked right back down and gave me a thousand dollars in cash and I remember being overwhelmed just in that moment like pride gone an understanding of, of who I was and all that other stuff, gone. But to see the grace of God pour out through this man, I knew the gift that he was giving. So I took it, I received it, and I went on a trip. And I don't know what happened to this man. I don't know if the Lord returned it tenfold. I don't know. But I remember looking at his eyes as he gave it to me. And I knew he was giving it out of a place of love and joy. It wasn't begrudgingly. He wasn't trying to give it and holding it back. He gave it with joy. And I know in that trip, that trip was one of the times that God used to further my call to the ministry. And so God used that as a gift to continually work itself out in my life. So give to the church, give to the gospel ministry, give to other believers, and give of yourself. It doesn't always have to be financial giving that you give. Give of yourself. Give of yourself to your neighbors. Like that's a great thing to do. If you want to explode somewhere, you want to be a generous person, give to your neighbors. See them. See their needs and help out as you can. Give of yourself to the glory of God.